welcome to Pierce the Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 331, an update episode. Yeah, our update episodes are where we get a chance to talk about what's going on in our life reselling-wise, uh, what is going on in the reselling world at large, some of the, the news and topics in reselling, uh, to give you some sweet bolos. And then, uh, and then, yeah, what we're kind of looking forward to. So we love our update episodes. I think it's where we get to be the most real, most genuine, most us. Uh, so yeah, stick around. There's going to be some cool stories that are going to, I think, uh, be inspiring, help you help connect with the things that are going on. But what I'd really like is in the comments below, just let us know like what's going on with you reselling. So if you're watching on YouTube, uh, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button and let us know in the comments below. How's this uh, week been reselling for you? Uh, do you got any crazy stories, any funny stories, any random stories? Put it in the comments below. We'd love to hear them. Now, disclaimer, <laughs> there are going to be stories, but there's going to be a lot of information dropped yep. today. Like this is going to be an information heavy. We're looking at, we're going to talk about my reseller genie for a moment. And we're also going to take a look at the eBay winter update as part of reselling topics. So there's a lot, but let's talk about, well, maybe that's fun for some of you, but let's talk about the fun stuff. Mike, what's going on with you? Um, man, uh, so a couple of big things. Uh, I'll start with the small one first. So we talked about in the last update episode, what I was looking forward to is actually getting to some garage sales again, uh, because we've had really bad weather here in San Diego. I mean, it's not really that it's bad hilarious when you say that, but it's just when you've got a drizzle or some rain on Saturdays, people don't do garage sales. So that, that puts a huge hamper on, on what we do. Well, I, the weather was fine. Like we were coming into a week of good weather. But there just wasn't a lot of garage sales. Like I just noticed like it was like what, like one or two that I saw. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. Sparse, just not many out there. So I tried to find a couple that were like on my route of where I was going because I had some other plans Saturday morning at around like 11. So I'm like, that's perfect. Like if I can just hit a bunch of these places on the way Mm -hmm. and then I'm I'm there where I need to be. So I go to the first one. It's just nothing, right? Like, like. I know we've talked in the past that the longer you resell, the less often you go and you get skunked at a garage sale yeah, because you know true. more, right? You know yeah, more. And so, you know, Hey, I, I remember those days. I can make money on that. Uh, I don't well, miss those days. Yeah. So when you're, as opposed to like when you're new and you're just not sure. And so you, you might be passing up on gold, but I would say I've been doing this long enough now that I have a pretty good idea mm-hmm. of like what's valuable, what's not valuable. And this was just, there was nothing like the things that they did have. There was like a beat up old Xbox. And they had like $45 on it and it was like trashed. And then they have like one controller for a PlayStation and that's trash. And they've got like $10 on it. And so I'm like their prices and they weren't willing to negotiate on anything. So right off the bat, like getting skunked on your first garage sale is kind of a bummer. Uh, so I went to a couple of others and again, just, just nothing worth picking up things that I could maybe make a little bit of money on $5 here, $10 here. But I'm being a lot more picky right now of wanting to only pick up things that are going to have significant value, significant ROI, where I'm going to be making at least $30, $40 profit. Uh, I mean, I'd probably settle for a 20 here and there, you know, if it's something easy, small, easy to ship uh, or easy to store. But I'm just tired of working for like $10 profit items. So I'm being more more picky on things. So I didn't pick up anything, but I was really excited because there was a estate sale that looked great i mean the listings were good it was the first day of the estate sale i'm like i'm probably going to do pretty good here so i'm like i passed up a bunch of places to get to this estate sale and i drove around the block several times trying to find the house and finally like i find like for sure like this is the house like it's got the address on it nothing absolutely there's nobody there There and i'm like are you kidding me so either one they put the wrong dates on it or two it was like a fake 
I've always wondered. Oh, like, he just slept that, in and forgot. I mean, who knows? I, but I, I honestly think I'm sure this has happened before because this has happened to me. I, I've talked about it on I mean, a long time ago where I went to one and, and there was like five or six resellers kind of standing outside and we're all kind of like, mm. is anybody like, and so somebody went and knocked on the door and like, are you guys doing the sale? Are you starting soon? And they're like, there's no sale here. Was this up the hill? This was years ago. So no, I, no, I mean the, the one recently. Mm-mm. Okay, because no. there was one I was planning on going to. It was like the only estate sale where really? we live, and I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna go. No, this was a little bit more in town, like closer, okay, okay. closer to downtown. Uh, but it's just so part of me thinks that there might be there there may be somebody out there who's creating fake garage sales <laughs> or estate sale postings to throw off competition. I mean, imagine like if you're a reseller, like well, that's why a pretty, are you throwing out those ideas? It's so nefarious. It's so horrible. And I hope people aren't doing that, but like I've gone to enough, this has happened to me like three or four times now where I've gone to somewhere and it's like, there's for sure no sell here, hilarious. but there was an ad for it. And so, yeah, you just wonder like, is this like a fake ad or who knows what, what some of it could be accidents or somebody changed their mind. I don't know. So take all your source, like video game inventory that everybody wants and just take a take picture of it. And be like, throw a random sale, everything has to go put some prices on it. Oh my goodness. And then, Ed. And then and make it start like at six in the morning. So everybody's there and then you're hitting up all the places that they're not at. And, and that's what I think. That's so nefarious. I, it's <laughs> horrible. I hope nobody's doing it, but I heard a podcast. I, I kind of think I might do like a little, uh, like a little YouTube short on this because it's so good. I was watching, this is going longer than I expected, but I was watching or listening to a Jocko Willink, uh, I think it's called Underground and I don't have, I don't subscribe to it, but occasionally they do like the paid part, like the stuff that's behind the paid mm-hmm. wall and they throw like a little snippet up in in the the part you can get for free. And I listened to it and it was so good. He was actually talking about the author of The 4-Hour Work Week, which we did a book review on, uh, had a quote that was pretty good, something to the effect of, in negotiating, the person who cares the least wins. Oh, that's true. And then so we, they were talking about that, but then they like combined it with the idea that in in life and in business, the person who cares the most wins. So like trying to like understand like there's two different aspects. So if you care the most, the rule is, and, and of course there's exceptions, but if you're like, if you care the most at your work, if you care the most in a relationship, you're going to be successful because you're going to do what it takes to win. But when it comes to negotiation, you almost have to be completely detached and care the least if you want to be able to win because you got to be able to walk away. You got to be able to say, and so Can't let emotions drive you. Right. And so I was just thinking about that with this concept of, of going out to the garage sales, there's going to be some resellers who care the most in the sense of they'll, they'll do whatever it takes, even if it's terrible. But then also the aspect of, of when you got to negotiate, you got to be willing to walk away. And I think one thing that I kind of took from that is sometimes you get the, like, as if you've already bought the item in your head, like you've got a price in your head, I'm going to buy this item and you're trying to do the negotiation. You've got to almost detach yourself from that when you're negotiating and think like, I've never seen this. It's not mine. It's yours. I'm not going to get it. So why not throw out this number? Mm-hmm. Because if mm-hmm. you don't care and you're willing to walk so away, would- you're more likely to be able to get that as opposed to getting all emotional and 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 not being able to get that win because you care too much about that item you you, you accept it too high of a price or, or whatever ends up happening uh, so anyways that podcast and that garage sale experience kind of made me think about that uh, and then um i've over the last wait real quick i don't want to lose this point that i'm thinking it, about man. so you reminded me of this scenario i was at this thrift store that mike and i love going to and at this thrift store like if you want to get stuff behind the counter or in the counter like they usually give you a ticket there's like a, a one hour time limit or something like that. Right. And I remember there was an item there that they were selling for 35 that sold for 200 to 250. Right. And so, 
you know, I, I, you know, I, I tell them to hold it on the side. I get the ticket and I go sourcing and I lose myself sourcing. Like I'm sourcing here. And then the line was like a 45 minute line and it was just horrendous. And then I get to the counter and my ticket doesn't match the, the other side of the ticket. And they're like, oh, when do you uh, put this on the side? And they look at the time and it had been about an hour and a half instead of the hour. So it already was over. But usually I've, it's been cool. Like I've had even two hours pass and, and never been an issue. And what they said is, oh, unfortunately, so-and-so, there's another, uh, there's another buyer that saw the item and wanted me to check the time and I gave it to him. I mean, that, that's what I mean. Like, if you care that Wait, much, if you're willing to say like, hey, how much time is left on that? They've got 12 minutes to pick it up. All right, I'm going to be back here in 12 minutes. And if they haven't picked it up yet, I want the ticket. Yeah, but, but here, here's what I'm trying to prove your point, though. Yeah, if you care the most, you win, like in life. But in this one, so there's, I'm going to show the other side. There's that one side. So this was, so there's certain people at certain thrift stores. I know in, in San Diego, I'm sure it's everywhere that they live at that thrift store. Like they're there every day. They know everybody. They know how everything works. And they they usually like recognize when there's gaps being filled in with new inventory. And I think that's what this person did because I they the gal actually pointed to who it was. And I'm like, oh, that's one of the, the lifers. So I was pretty upset because that's like somebody taking two hundred dollars from me. Right. Because this was an item I know would have sold within seven days. Mm -hmm. And I said, are you sure I was? And so they brought in some of the management and they know me and and they're like, what's the deal? And I said, hey, listen. Your line was long. I'll admit, I got a little bit lost out there, you know, shopping, but I had picked this item first and they're like, okay, yeah, you did. You did. And then the lady's like, and the, the cashier was like, yeah, but actually that other guy, you know, picked it up after the hour. And I'm like, listen, I was waiting in line. And then the management was like, let's look at the time. They're like, Orlando, it's been over an hour. And at that moment I had to make a decision. I could have gotten really upset, caused the scene you know, wind, gun, you know, all that craziness. Right. Or I could have said, you know what? I'm going to just walk away. It is what it is. These people have always been good to me. I mean, there's times I have accidentally left stuff behind the counter. Like they'll, they'll bag everything and I go and I leave and at home, I'm like, wait a second, there's a bag missing and it's their fault. But you know, I call them up and they do everything. They've found that inventory and they hold it for a week for me when I come back. So anyways, at that point moment, I could have been really, you know, emotional and, and gotten all mad. And, and but here's what I would have done. I would have burned bridges. Right. They would have been least likely to help me next time. And so I had to just walk away. I had to I had to, you know, care, care and, and you go, hey, two hundred dollars, whatever. It's not worth the thousands of dollars I may gain if these people contact me, if they set something aside for me. So. That's what I wanted to share. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes caring less is, is really good. It gives you a lot of leverage. It's, it's really what it comes down to, especially when we're talking about negotiating, like it gives you that leverage point of being able to walk away. Cause if they care more about selling the item than you care about buying the item, you're going to get the deal you're looking for. But if you care more about buying that item than they care about selling it, you're going to lose that negotiation every time. So mm. yeah, you gotta be, and there's little tricks you can do here. They and know that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they do. I mean, they're, you wear it on your sleeve if you really want Which it. is one of the reasons why you use phrases like, wow, this must be really important to you. Because what you're doing is you're trying to actually lower their their connection to that item, that mm -hmm. their value of that mm -hmm. item and make them want to sell it more, right? Because then, they, then they're more motivated to sell it than they are to keep it. And that's what you want. You want, you want them to care more about selling the item 
then you care about buying it. So any little thing you can do, there's little tricks you can do here and there to, to offset that scale so that you end up with more leverage in the negotiating situation. Um, all that being said, the big thing this week <laughs> has been um, I have pretty much got almost every item in my store except for a handful of items that either had a ton of watchers already or were multiple inventory items that I've been selling through um, to within 90 days. So I've, I've done the end listings and sell mm. similar uh, which is really cool because it's my first time kind of doing that in like big batches and the editing function for those of you who um, aren't sure what we're talking about. We talked about in the previous episode, uh, the benefit and go back to that episode. I think it was 328 if you want to hear the, all the, the information on there. Uh, but basically, the general idea was if something's over 90 days, it starts to become stale. I've had things in my store that's been years, right? So it ends up dragging your entire store down. It's not just that that item is stale. But your sell-through rate for your store continues to drop. The total amount of time items are live in your store goes down, which then lowers your whole store in the rankings. So instead of ending and and relisting, which has been kind of a, a go-to for a lot of people and maybe adjusting a couple things in the title, you want to end and sell similar. And the neat thing is you can go to your active listings and sort by the date that it's been up, like when it was its list date. And then I would just go through and kind of just click 25 or so of the oldest ones. Yeah, don't do all of them. No. Like you want to do it in batches because you don't want to destroy like the algorithm. Well, you can only do 50 at a time anyways. You yeah. can only relist 50 at a time. So, Or sell somewhere at a time. That's what I mean. You can only sell somewhere 50 items at a time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, do like, I was doing like 20 to 25 items at a time because I figured that's a, like a good daily listing to do anyways. And the cool thing is I was able to go through and, and do a lot of editings really fast. Select all. I'm going to change the promotional rates on all of these. All right, I'm going to move the, I want to adjust the shipping on all of these. I want to just, I want to adjust the shipping on only the things that are shoes. So I'd select the shoes and you could batch um, edit a lot of these when you're in the sell similar function because you've got the whole list of all of them. And one of the coolest things was going through the picture. So you can click on one of the pictures. And then if you see the first picture doesn't have the complete white background, you haven't used the remove background feature yet. So you use the remove background feature. You save it and then it says save and go to next and it just instantly brings up the next listing and you just keep doing that. And I was able to, you know, in like five, 10 minutes time, go through and change the first picture to a pure, pure white, you know, infinite white background on 20 items within like five, 10 minutes mm. and adjust all the prices that I wanted to adjust, adjust the promotional rates and relist those items. And it actually happens really fast. And there's some other neat features in there too. When you're in that sell similar um, or actually in the active listing uh, and the sell similar, you have the the feature of, of when you're adjusting the prices, doing it's like research current prices and trends, which then takes you to what they're selling for. The only thing that I found that was an issue with that, and I want to give a tip in case some of you try this, because I think this will end up sticking on a lot of you, is when you're going through and you're doing all of those pictures and you're moving the backgrounds um, like one at a time, going through a big list like that. Every once in a while, I'd get an error and it would air out that item. And that picture, that first picture would be like almost as if it's not accepting it. It's like something wrong with the format. Huh. And the first few times I did it, I would start the whole process over again. I'd literally download the picture off the original unsold item and then upload that as the new picture. And it was sort of like very time consuming. Uh, but essentially, all you have to do is it'll show the picture. Just remove the background again and save it. So you've already removed the background. You could see the backgrounds removed, but you just have to go through the process again as if you're doing it a second time and then it clears that air. So um, every batch of about 30 that I would do, I'd get that air about two or three times and it would yeah. just take like two seconds to fix. So 
if you want to give that a try, if it's something, if you've got <laughs> items that have been in your store, like I did that were a couple years old and didn't have a lot of watchers and views, it's just a good way to quickly go through, relist those items. My sales have been starting to pick up. And then it also lets you see like, okay, maybe I need to drop the prices on all these. I have these for $24.99. Let's drop them to $19.99. Boom. Good to go. That it, some of those items sold and it's like, wow, like that's all it took. Right. And it sold. There we go. It is. It is interesting with the sell somewhere because it actually does work. Yeah. So I've sold two or three ties in the last week. I have not sold a tie in probably a year and a half or two. Right. And I did the end end listing so similar. I've also sold some jackets. I've I've sold all kinds of stuff that before had zero action. Zero action. And what it does is it brings it up to the top of the search, right? Because it's a new item, right? So it starts all over and and again, it 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 helps push your entire store, according to the EB rep when we spoke to them, push your entire store higher in rankings when people are looking for stuff. Yeah, which is good because then like one of the big benefits that I found from that was even just the ability to send more offers because it pushes your item back Correct. to the top. Like brand new. You're getting more watchers on your items and you're getting like that heavy browsing again, which you can I've had items where I haven't sent an offer on in years because there's yeah. really been stale for a year, like a couple year or two. It's probably like on page 34 or something. Right. And then now it's up towards the top. And now all of a sudden it's got, you know, 70 views in the last, you know, four hours. And a couple of those are heavy browsing. Now I can send an offer and oh look at that. It's sold. It's been sitting forever, 20, 30 pages back, and now it just sold because I just did that thing just to get it kind of fresh again. Yeah, it is interesting. It's very interesting. So you got more? That's it, man. All right. So sales have been really consistent. I, you know, I, I do have the random days. I had, you know, I say sales are consistent, they didn't have the random days. So there is always like this one day of the week where it's, you know maybe a couple hundred dollars in sales and that's it. Right. And then, then you have all these really nice days that, that follow up. And I got to tell you, yes, the sell similar has been great because I've been able to move a lot of inventory. I don't want, mm. I've actually been doing uh, some auctions too, for some inventory that's been sitting for a while just to move it. Uh, and sales has just been good. Now I will add to that. And uh, I'm going to sound braggadocious saying this, but I feel like I'm sourcing better. Like I'm, I'm more selective and pretty much anytime I've gone sourcing, I've made back my profit within the week and everything else is in the green after that. And that is not normal for me. I'm used to getting a haul and it will take, you know, a month or two to make that money back. Now I'm, I'm just moving stuff. I'm like, I want to make that. And I think part of it is, is I'm, I'm being very selective when I pick up. I'm just not picking up anything and saying, oh, you know, this is kind of cool <laughs> or which you should never do, but you still do. It doesn't matter how long you resell. Even if you look it up and the comps aren't great and the sell through aren't great, you're sometimes you're like, oh, I, I think this one. And then you're like, I don't know. But I, I've been really conscious about, you know, sell through rate on older items. It is interesting because back in the day, no one talked about sell through rate. That that's a new thing. And I still think sell through rate isn't like the golden rule. I, I do believe that, you know, sometimes when there is no sell through rate, there's no evidence of it. Uh, and there's only like one or two listings. Sometimes it's the fact that it's just rare. It's just going to take the right buyer and you're going to make good profit. Uh, but lately it's just been, it's been great. Sales have been, been really awesome. So that's been a benefit, you know, garage sales, eh, they're okay. I, I was going to add something to you too, that, you know, one thing you learn as you resell more is don't buy in desperation. 
Like how many times I remember in my early days, I'd go to garage sales. And if there was nothing, I'm like, I at least got to buy something. I got to make some kind of profit. And then you pick up something that you don't want to list or it's not worth the time to list or, you know, it's, you know, it's that VCR that you never care to test or anything. And so it's, it's better just not to do that. And then, you know what I do sometimes when garage sales aren't that great, I, I'll go look at local deals. And sure enough, within a few days, uh, there's a local deal. Right. And so I'm like, oh, OK, good. This is something I really know about. This is something worth picking up. I'm so glad I didn't waste my time picking up all this junk. Right. So I think <laughs> anyways, I'll share. I, I got a, I got I got my theory on Beanie Babies, but that's for another podcast. I, I'm waiting another few weeks to for everything to play out. All right. So to me, this has been the biggest news at least in a while for me, as far as being a full-time reseller. And it's about my reseller genie. Now, this is an ad. Now, we do have a promo code and all that, and we'll share yeah. that. So, uh, so, so full disclaimer, there, there is a, a upcoming ad. But the, that's not what this is. This is like legitimate just discussion. About and we're not sponsored by them, but we do have an affiliate link. Yeah. So there's a difference. Uh, so GoDaddy... When it went away, it was a very sad moment. And the reason it was sad, I know for most resellers, because it was very easy. It was just, it ran on autopilot. It had these glitches. Sometimes it would give you wrong information. For example, I, I stopped using Amazon with it because the numbers that GoDaddy would run would not be the numbers that Amazon's report would have. And I'm like, all right, I'm done. No more Amazon on there. But GoDaddy was nice. Like you, you go, you'd go in there, you put your cost of goods, you put your expenses, you put everything, and it would just calculate like, just like any bookkeeping software. But it was, it felt a lot more like reseller friendly. Like Quicken Books, I've mentioned Quicken Books is like you need to be an accountant. You don't have to be, but well, see, there's there's actually two different <clears throat> ones. There's Quicken and then mm-hmm. there's QuickBooks. QuickBooks is the one I'm using. You're using QuickBooks, yeah. not Quicken. Yeah, correct. Okay, so you're using Quicken's Intuit. like the CD, like the CD, right? I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. Uh, I think I use QuickBook too because that's the Intuit, like the yeah, same TurboTax. Quicken has an online too. I think Quicken is more like it's QuickBooks that I use. Okay, so Quicken I think is like the, and again I could be wrong, but I think that's like an even higher level. Like it's mostly for like big businesses or whatever. I mean, yeah, it's still I, yeah. Small. I use QuickBooks Intuit. Okay, that, that's what I use. So you know, I, I was joking with another reseller uh, the other day how basically when GoDaddy went away. I did the transfer for everything to go to QuickBooks and I don't even know how to get the information. It's there. I know what it does. It breaks down every single day and then you have to go in on every single day. And then I think you have to sort out the shipping and then you have to sort out the fees and, and you have to put them in categories. And, you know, I'm probably wrong. And somebody will comment on the comments. Yeah, you just got to export to a CSV file and then you can do all of that. Just Yeah. See, why? Why, why do I have to do that? That's what I mean. It's I'm paying for software. Why do I have to feel like I'm working an Excel spreadsheet? It's so ridiculous. Come on. Don't, okay. Don't be, don't be a boomer, man. So I'm, so well, Google, I'm, Google sheets or spreadsheets are so powerful. Okay. It's like the greatest tool. But ever. my reseller genie will do that for you without okay. you having to do all that. Then that's the win. That's what do any of it. Okay. I mean, it's not bad to have to do it. I like you doing it, but. But so I have to do it. when I first looked at my reseller genie, I had mentioned this back in June. I looked at it and I kind of was like, ah, I don't know yet. Like, I don't, I don't know if if this is where I want to jump to. I'm going to try QuickBooks for a little while. So six months passed, and then I had mentioned two two episodes ago, our last update, that I was going to try my reseller genie. It was kind of interesting because during this time, 
I had spoken to another reseller. I was speaking to a, a Kevin Commonwealth Picker. And uh, oh, by the way, I need to apologize to Kevin if you hear this. I had mentioned that last episode, Karen, male Karens were called Kevin. Not realizing that we mentioned Kevin in the same episode. Ooh, ouch. So my apologies, Kevin, if you're hearing this. So I, t- I you know, I chatted on the phone with uh, Kevin a little bit and we were talking about reseller genie and, and the whole bookkeeping aspect. And, and he had mentioned, you know, you should, you know, reach out to, to, uh, Paul and faith at my reseller genie. And so I reached out to them and I said, Hey, listen, uh, I want to try out my reseller genie. Um, you know, I uh, just want to have a conversation. And again, I also wanted to have a conversation about maybe partnering with them too, because if I, this is a program I'm going to use and it's going to work out, we want to be able to provide it for everybody, but I didn't want to jump into it and go, Hey, by the way, everybody, here's this discount. We never used it. Don't know what's going on, but go ahead. Like we wouldn't have said that, but yeah, we, uh, we, we believe in the products that yeah, we correct on the show. That's so it's, I mean, I can't tell you how many brand deals we have turned away just because it doesn't even fit our brand. Yep. Right. We could have had some, another shaving opportunity, yeah. different kind of shaving. <laughs> Anyways, So they've done a lot of work since last June and you know, I, I was, I wanted my, I wanted to go daddy bookkeeping, right? I wanted to go in my reseller genie and I wanted it to be go daddy bookkeeping, but it's not go daddy bookkeeping. It's a different interface and, and it's, it's great because I, if I got to try, I believe Paul does accounting and faith does a lot of reselling. I think they're both in accounting. I can't say for sure, but it has both worlds in there. Right. And so it was kind of interesting, uh, you know, when I was, uh, I, I just, I, you know, we reached out and, and we had a conversation and <laughs> I realized how poorly I was doing a lot of things. Right. So for example, I've always, you know, done my bookkeeping, uh, you know, to the T because I want to make sure I'm holding on to every dollar that I can. Right. I don't want to give away money to the government if I don't have to. But I was spending so much time. So, you know, when people go uh, on on Excel, like Mike, right? And when they source that day, they go on Excel and they put every item that they picked up and how much they paid for it. So I kind of was doing that on the back end when I was preparing my taxes. <laughs> and, you know, I was looking at the stuff I picked out through the year and the stuff that didn't sell. Then I was calculating all that, which would take me a long time. And, and uh, you know, uh, they're like, um, you're like unique, um, most, yeah, you're, so you're doing all this work when you could have just done all this work up front. They didn't say it that way. They said it in a very nice way. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Uh, you're right. <laughs> you're right. So, so I'm like, okay, so it was great. Cause they're, they're challenged me on this and I know I'm not the only one I know. I'm, I know there are people out there that don't even do any accounting. I know there are people out there that are paying probably tons of taxes and they don't need to pay taxes. Why? Because they're not, you know, they're not deducting their mileage. They're not deducting items that they don't sell. They're not deducting all these fees. They're, I mean, even from like, do you use a part of your house? You know, you can deduct that square footage if it goes to reselling. And again, this is not uh, financial advice, but this is the things you should look at with your tax person. So I was really encouraged. And it's beautiful because on my reseller genie, you can actually like as, so what I'm doing now is every time I list an item, I'm putting how much I purchased it for. And what it does is it gives me, I know this is going to sound silly to a lot of people because they're like, Orlando, we already do this. Okay. I'm going to be real here. So automatically, if I go to a profit loss, it automatically tells me, you know, what my cost of goods were for the month. This is what's sold. These are the fees. This is your shipping, like automatically. 
Uh, GoDaddy bookkeeping didn't really force you to do it for each item. You can kind of just put a haul in there. You could put, I spent $180 here at a garage sale, but you never really got real numbers. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so my reseller genie was forcing me to do that. <laughs> and which, which is good, which is good. And so now I have an, a vehicle to do my 2022 taxes, which is going to be less time consuming. Now, obviously I'm going to have to do some cleanup from the year uh, because there's that weird spot where everything was in GoDaddy and then went to QuickBooks. But luckily my reseller genie pulls all your information for the year. And, you know, depending on, on where you're at, there's stuff you're going to have to clean up. You're going to have to put how much you paid for certain items and so on, but it's going to help you do your taxes. All right. And it also was, was great because they are reseller based. So, you know, questions I were asking them, they're like, you know, it's funny. Somebody else brought this up and I'm like, Oh, that's great. So, they're open to feedback. They're geared towards resellers. When when it was GoDaddy bookkeeping, you would call and people you get just another number. Yeah, I mean, you were nobody. You were nobody, right? It's kind of like that Office episode. Do you remember the Office episode when it was Michael and Dwight and they're trying to sell paper to that business? Mm -hmm. So Dwight grabs a phone and he calls the big paper company and the guys on hold the whole time and they're just talking to him. They're talking to him and he's like, oh, Dwight goes, wait one second. He calls Dunder Mifflin. Da -da -da -da, boom. Pam answers the phone. Now, now, I'm not saying that the owners are going to do that. They have customer service employees, but that's what it felt like. Like right. somebody was there. Somebody was there to answer those questions. So in the long run, I believe my reseller genie is going to be the place for, I would say, most resellers to do. I know there's a lot of people that sell comfortable QuickBooks. There's some people that use Quicken. There's some people that use other programs. But for me, I, I honestly believe as as you know, time progresses and more people jump on the platform, they're going to get more feedback and it's just going to improve. Right. Cause even now, you know, there's probably going to be some things that people are like, Oh, I wish it was done this way. And I wish it was done this way. And, and both uh, Paul and faith are very aware that they know that. So they're continually working on the interface. So now we're partnered with them. So if you're looking for a place to do your bookkeeping, you can go to the link below. That, that felt like a long ad. I wasn't trying to make an ad. I'm just trying to keep it real. Yeah. So go to the link below and use our code pure hustle, all caps, our code pure hustle, all caps, go to the link below and you'll be able to get 15% off the first month. And that isn't not too bad. If you get the ultimate plan, which is 1999, that means that it'll continually import all your eBay information. There's a bunch of other things you can do. You can get data on real time of where you're as a reseller compared to what you picked up and what you sold and a bunch of other items. Yeah. Knowledge alone, just that th that's worth it. Having the data is worth that money. I mean, that's what companies think about. That's what so many companies are spending so much of their, their infrastructure and their, their money on is being able to have information and data and being able to utilize that. So $20 a month, it's, it's really nothing to have that information. Plus the time it's going to save you at the end of the year when you're doing your taxes and we're still at the beginning of the year. We're at that phase. Like I have a gym membership and January is super busy at the gym. And then February, it starts to die off. And then by March, it's like back to normal because everybody's their, their, their new year's resolution started to go out the window because they weren't really serious about it. They were excited. They had a little bit of, you know, motivation, but they didn't have any discipline. And we're at that time in the year where it's not too late to like fix your tax situation so that you can go into the 2023 tax year when you're filing it next year and you're, you're set. And if you only have to go back and like fix a few weeks worth of stuff, like, okay, I didn't start right in January. 
that's way better than deciding in October, November, December, or God forbid, you're, you're almost a tax being due again, like it's going to be for this last year and going, oh man, this is going to take me 30, 40 hours. Or you can pull in Orlando and wait till October. Yeah. So we're at that time where now's the time to sign up. If, if it's going to be worth it just for the fact that it's going to save you so much time in the long run and, and don't, I mean, taxes are one of those things. Like if you're a new reseller, you're probably like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with taxes. Reselling. Do I do taxes? How do I do taxes? All of that. We've got episodes on it. There's a lot of stuff you can look up on that. But one of the most important things is just having documentation and something like reseller genie is going to take away a lot of the stress for that of how do you do that? How do you make sure you've got your documentation, right? You've got your numbers, right? You know, the data that you need to have. Uh, and so it's going to make, I mean, you're going to save the the time and money in the end. Like you're, you're paying it up front and you're going to save twice that much when it comes time to, to filing your, your taxes. So yeah, I think it's worth it. Uh, use our, our, is it a promo code? Yeah. It's pure hustle, all caps. So they go to the link and then use our code pure hustle, all caps, pure hustle, all one word, all caps. 15% off the first month. So nice. Definitely. And I, obviously I'm using it now. So, and, and again, it's going to be a different interface, right? So don't be dismissive right away. Like, you know, you got to play around with it a little bit and then maybe you can contact, you know, if, if there's something that you're like, oh, I'm hitting a wall, there's going to be somebody there to help you. Yeah. So check good. it out. So all right, any random stories? Yeah, so a couple episodes ago, I talked about uh, trailers and that got some interesting conversations going. <laughs> um, and, and I'm learning a lot right now. I mean, one of the things Rolanda and I really try to do on our podcast is not present that like, hey, we're, we're just giving you like research information from the experts point of view. Like we are the experts and here is what the science says on this topic. Because we're learning a lot of this stuff too. And we might have some experience in areas that other people don't. Um, but a lot of areas we're just learning. And so um, I'm learning a lot in the what it takes to sell things like vehicles and trailers and, and all of that. So uh, definitely got a lot of good advice from some of our listeners kind of saying, hey, you can do this. You can't do this. You should do this. You shouldn't do this. This is how you would do this. This could get you legally in trouble. Uh, but it's funny that after having that conversation, literally like, I hate using that word, but a few <laughs> days after that conversation, uh, I'm at a dinner with some friends and they were talking about the fact that they just bought a new like travel trailer. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Like, are you planning on like, you know, traveling cross country or just doing camping? And, and they're like, Oh, camping. We used to have a pop-up or we have a pop-up trailer, but like our family's outgrown it. And I'm like, Oh, I would love to have a pop-up trailer. It's one, one of the things that like I, I've always wanted. I've been on the lookout for one and they're like, Oh yeah. Like you, you want ours? I'm like, like, yeah what they're, are like, the odds? they're like well we actually was gifted to us by like another family we were just going to sell it and give that family you know a little bit of the money from it we we're going to sell it for real cheap uh, but if you want like you could just have it and just like take that family out to dinner like cause we know them too um and i'm like yeah, we'll do more and take them out to dinner we'll like throw them some money like these are expensive <laughs> right this is just so you know like a pop-up trailer is one of those things you see that it's like it's like a camping trailer it's like a travel trailer but they're like really short behind like even like small suvs can pull them and then they literally pop up. So it's like canvas tent part for They're the really rest of it. They're really popular out here. Yeah. And then they the outside parts come out. And then um, so like like you can have like two full queen size beds in them that like come out the sides. So they're really neat. Um, and it'd be great for camping. My family really does want one. I'm not planning on reselling this. But the reason why it's connected to reselling is we currently have two trailers. So it's like I can't move across country and own three trailers. I only have two cars. So I got to figure this out. So my wife and I have kind of figured out how we can do this where over spring break, we're going to go uh, to where we're planning on moving, take up one of our trailers out there and do like a load, like take a bunch of our stuff that's just been in storage in that trailer, 
there and get a storage unit because believe it or not, you can get storage units for like $60 in Texas that cost like $350 here. More, like 400 yeah. something. So we're going to go drop off a bunch of stuff there, come back. And then our small trailer that we have, we had one that we've done a couple of road trips for, for reselling, which has been great for reselling because it's really small. It's like a four by six. It's not a huge trailer, but it's enclosed. I already have a buyer for it. I have someone who's like, if you ever want to sell that trailer, let me know. And I bought it for a pretty killer deal. I've been looking for one for a long time and I finally found one at a good deal. And so I'm going to be able to sell this trailer and make like, I'm going to end up making like $700 off of based off what I bought it for. Um, so I'm going to make like, I'm going to sell it for like $1,700, $1,800, which is still a pretty good deal. And I'm going to have a free pop-up trailer. So it's just like, just the, one of the things that reselling does is it just constantly opens up. It's almost like the trading up, mm-hmm. you know, the stories of the people who they take, you know, a paperclip and then they've traded it in, into the, the house by the end. But I, I look back to when I was in like school, when I was in junior high, and one of my favorite things was stuff like Pokemon is if you were really good at it over the course of a few weeks, like you could take your one or two packs of, of Pokemon cards that you bought. And next thing you know, you have so many cards because you've been able to like, I'll trade you this one card for two of your cards. And you trade one of those cards that somebody has for like an even better card. And before long, you actually have a really good collection just from being wise, like making good trades. Like if you always come out a little bit ahead or you get a couple of them, but somebody else, you know, they need this one. and that's kind of like reselling. There's times where you buy things and you trade up on it and you, you get new things. And and I always look at it like, Hey, sometimes you don't find the the pair of pants or the, the cool thing that you collect at the thrift store. But if you buy enough things that somebody else is looking for in their sizes, then you eventually get your thing. It's almost like you found it at a thrift store. That's true. And so I just look at all the things like, look at the stuff you have around you. Look at the things you have, like a Freddie Funko and all the cool things you have, like their collector stuff that you're like, I don't know if I'm going to get rid of this. And if you do the math, you really didn't pay for any of it. If you just consider the fact that like, I bought this one thing for 50 bucks and then I sold it for 200 and then I used that 200 and I bought these things Mm -hmm. and I made 500 and of those things that I bought, I kept one of them and it's really cool and it's in my house. It's like that original $50 you spent. Now you're like $500 in the profit and you got a cool thing you've got that you're collecting in your house. And it's almost like the reselling thing just lets you just, just kind of trade things. And you're constantly, if you're doing it right, your life should and your circumstances should con- consistently be getting better. And so now I look at the fact that I always wanted a trailer and then I got a small trailer and now I have two trailers and now I'm going to sell one of those trailers and I'm going to have a pop up and sure, I'm getting it for free, which is cool, but I'm going to be able to sell one of those trailers that I originally bought for reselling for under a thousand dollars. And I'm going to be able to sell it for quite a bit of money and have a pop-up trailer like i've traded up things are going good it's such a wild story it's crazy it's I like mean, how, how does it's random happen? but so mine isn't as cool as yours i just i always want to let people know make sure you network with your post office i had two interesting scenarios this last month one was i i, uh, I wanted to ship out something and you know how sometimes you just want to drop it in the um in the box you know that i don't know what we call that and just because you don't want to deal with it in the morning and I go out there, it was like 6.30 in the evening, and one of the postal workers was, I don't know, like locking up or something, and they looked at me like, hey, you want me to take that for you? Mm. And they just took it for me and they scanned it. And I'm like, that's weird. Like, they didn't have to do that, right? They could have waited till the next day. And so, I, you know, it's always it always helps to be nice. And then the other day, it was actually closed. I got there two minutes late, and they had, you know, they sometimes let people continue doing their their uh, business with the post office, but they locked the door so no one else gets in. And I said, hey, can I just drop this off? It was one of those large flat rate boxes. 
I'm like, can I just drop this off? And she's like, no. And she was a new employee. She's like, no, I can't. We're closed. And then I just popped my head to see who was working in there. And they're like, oh, come on in. And I just went in and dropped my package. So nah, nothing huge. But again, always, I, I you know, I'm always, I, I'm trying to teach my son this. Like, you should always smile, right? You When you talk to people, like, no, woe is me. Like, always, you know, people love positive energy, right? I'm not saying being fake, but you know, make sure you let people know you care about them. I'm always good to them. You know, I, they always ask me to write reviews and so on. And we just have a great relationship. And even when I, I see them out in public, which is kind of like seeing your teachers outside of school, it's mm-hmm. kind of weird. I still go out of my way to say hi and see how they're doing and so on. And that's one thing I'll give Orlando. Um, I mean, I worked under him. He was my boss for a while. Sounds weird. But I know. <laughs> um, so, you know, there were times where it's like, okay, like, Orlando's busy and, and he doesn't have time always to just, so he's not fake. Like he, he has real lives and he, you know, you know when he's busy and he's doing things. But I remember I was a substitute teacher for several months and, you know, as a substitute teacher, you, you, you get to know people, but you're not like, you're not like seriously in, like a part of the team. And I ended up getting hired over the summer and it was like summer training and I walked on, on campus and I had talked to him a handful of times and like we had some good conversations and like he sees me and he knew I got hired and like he gives me a big hug. I'm so glad you're part of the team. And like I really felt like, man, like he, this whole time, like he actually was like excited, like he yeah, cared about me, true. you know. And so um, and and something like that, like goes to show like I, I had an immediate connection with Orlando because I could tell right off the bat that he was like genuine and he actually cared about me as a person. And then I was part of the team. And those kinds of things, like it, it does roll into things like reselling. Like if you're that mm-hmm. kind of person at, at your post office, if you're that kind of person at the thrift store, if you're that kind of person at garage sales, little things, people can tell whether or not you're authentic, whether or not you actually care and or whether or not you're just there for business. If you just walk up and you say Legos, nope, I'm out versus like, Hey, good morning. How's it going? Like, Oh my gosh, I had this shirt when or I played this video game when I was, those things are a little bit more genuine. And maybe you don't get a sale there and it's like, okay, I got skunked here. All right, have a great day. Good luck. I hope you sell everything. It doesn't hurt. Like you're not losing anything by being nice to people. You really aren't. Agreed. Well, thank you, Mike. That means a lot. I I feel kind of weird now just because I remember those days. I remember those days. And I, anyways, I always be nice because you never know. You never know. Even let's say you're going to go to full time. You're going to quit your job. Don't burn that bridge. Do not. I can't tell you how many people I know in life that were like, I'm done with this job and they burn all these bridges. And next thing you know, somehow that person either haunts them or they're going to need that person from their job to get to the next level. So you just never know. Never know. All right. Let's, let's get to some. Uh, oh, before we get to reseller topics. Uh, hey, if you have been helping and supporting us through Patreon, we are extremely grateful for all of you. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, again, Mike and I, we have, we have busy lives. We have time with our kids. We have uh, time reselling. We also, you know, I, I teach once a week just cause I love teaching and Mike's teaching full time. And so setting aside time for the podcast is, is kind of difficult at times. Like we really have to coordinate schedules and your support on Patreon allows us to step away from everything without worrying of, you know, losing sales or, or having to take a time away from work or whatever it is definitely helps us. So if you haven't yet go on our patreon.com uh, slash Pierce, the podcast or link below, sign up for five fifty five a month, help support the podcast, keep moving. And then you get to uh, join us in the discord and it's cool. And I love the discord is growing. And I would say we're getting quality people yeah. like not that not that the original people the original people are still there but i just i just feel like when people get in there they they get they feel the vibe and they know 
like kind of the expectation. Yeah. Right. It's a different in Discord than I would say many. Yeah. It's it's not just like a simple cook group of like, hey, join and and we're gonna just teach you everything you need to know or give you a bunch of free things. Uh, it, it's more of just like a community of people asking questions, talking to each other. Um, I, I get a whole lot out of it. I mean, recently I've kind of just been lurking because uh, I'm you know, busy with the baby coming on the way and all of that. Um, but, but I still, there's times when I'm replying to things and I'm just like, man, like that's such good advice that that person gave there or just the encouragement. So yeah, we appreciate all of you who have supported us on Patreon. And uh, if you support us on Patreon and you want to be a part of the Discord, you're definitely more than welcome to join. Or if you just want to watch and see what's going on there, uh, you can lurk too. That's pretty cool. There we go. So, and by the way, we're on all social media, Pure Hustle Podcast. We're also Pure Hustle Cast on Twitter. Uh, but we should we, have you heard about the scandal on Twitter happening? What, the, the making you like locked? Like yeah. Locked page? What, like everybody we follow, like there's so many of them have locked themselves. What mm-hmm. happened? Yeah. Not in the reseller community per se, but. I think they're just testing algorithms. Cause like anything, like all it takes like a little thing in an algorithm to see like, oh, if I list 18 items per day versus 20 items per day, like what's the return? Like I actually sell more if I list between 15 to 18 versus if I sell list over, like everybody's just trying to figure it out. Like what, what's the algorithm? What triggers, what triggers the interactions? Luckily most resellers haven't done that. So true. it's great. So just follow us there. And if you're listening to the podcast uh, and you've never jumped over to YouTube, jump on over to YouTube, hit that subscribe, hit that bell notification. So, you know, when our mini sold or any other episodes drop and uh, you know, smash that like button. So thank yeah. you all for your support. All right. Are we ready to talk about some uh, reseller topics? Reseller news. The eBay winter update is out with lots of information that we're going to talk about. Plus, it might be time to diversify. All of this and more on Reseller News. Orlando, take it away. I feel like I've been talking a lot this episode. So uh, bear with us here. Well, so, let's just like spark note these and we'll uh, bounce off each other like what these mean. Well, okay. So it, this was an interesting move on eBay's part. I'm not sure what eBay is thinking whoever their PR person is like, they, I don't know. They, they got to figure things out because they had the seller check-in. So usually the seller check-in is something that everybody's available to go to and they kind of preview what's coming up and so on. And it's a good thing. I invite all of you to, to join it. Well, eBay invites all of you. Uh, and so they had one <laughs> and it was supposed to be like a preview of the winter update. And I am very big. If you're in leadership, and the problem is on a very large scale, like it's something that was promised on behalf of you or you promise as a leader, you need to show up and you need to answer questions. And I've done that. Mike can attest to this. When I, when I was an administrator, I can't tell you how many times I'm like, I'm sorry, I messed up. It's my fault. You know, we own it and whatever. And what ended up happening was you know, the, the VP was supposed to show up and they kept talking about how this was going to be an interactive seller event and you can ask questions. And then it, and I, I, listen, I don't know. I think he was sick or something happened. It couldn't make it. I understand. I understand. But the video, the pre-recorded video that was supposed to be interactive in that had the whole discussion about how we still haven't figured out unpaid items and we're working on it. And I'm like, wait a second. So you're saying back in eBay open, whenever that was in August, the promise was made that this was going to be done by the end of the year. And it wasn't. And then you, you do a preview of the winter update just to say 
by the way, we still haven't done what we said. And on top of that, you don't even have the top person in leadership address this. Plus, you say it's interactive, but it's not interactive. Yeah, I mean, it probably doesn't even need to be the top person from leadership. It just somebody from from leadership. Now, one of but the if things- the top person said it, I think the top person should address it. Here's here's what I think though could could potentially be part of this situation. Um, I would imagine because I mean I get we do this podcast right, so the chances of us attending or at least one of us attending something like this is pretty high. But I think for the average reseller, like if you just get in your thing, like there's this eBay something event happening, I would imagine vast majority of resellers are not attending something like this. So maybe part of it was based off of attendance. They were hoping, hey, if we get you know. 5,000 people who are interested in joining this thing or even a thousand people or even 400 people. But if it's like 32 people sign up for it or show up, they're like, I'm sorry, but the CEO's time or whoever's time is worth way more than these 32 people, whether they could all leave eBay, we don't care. Like, let's just do a video and call it a day. Like maybe it was something like that. Like maybe do the cost benefit analysis to it. I mean, we go, we go into this more. We, we just dropped a mini sode uh, this past Monday, if you can cut it about why eBay has to fix the unpaid items issue. And one of them is credibility. Right now, granted, eBay knows that I'm not going to stop selling on eBay and no one's really going to go like, oh, you're not going to fix unpaid items. I'm done with eBay. I'm not going to do that. I love eBay. eBay is a great platform. I, I'm more of, can we, can, we just, can we just fix it? Like, I'm not going anywhere. I love eBay. I have an eBay tattoo probably, okay? But I, I'm, I'm not a fan of something that, Mike and I were even discussing with execs back in 2019 in Vegas. Mm. We had a closed door meeting and we were promised and we were given all these silly reasons as to why it hasn't happened. And so it was just, uh, it, it just very, very frustrating. So we're going to move on from that with the, um, with, with my, my, uh, my rants about that. Now I do got to tie in one more thing. So what's interesting is that on eBay, on their on their winter update, you know, when they start talking about, uh, you know, what we still what we still have. So I'm going to talk about the winter update, but I'm only going to talk about what Mike and I really feel is important. There's a lot of other stuff, but stuff that directly relates to us. So the way that eBay goes about talking about like why they haven't fixed it and, you know, well, here's a reason. Here, here's some things that is OK. And they're like, hey, it's all good. So they say in there, here, I'm going to read their comment. Um, if an item is unpaid, you should continue to cancel the order just as you do today. We recently streamlined our unpaid items process and moved it to the cancel flow where you can specify your preference and whether you want unpaid items to be canceled after four days. I'm sorry, but that's that's not. The, the, what, the, what is that? So basically what you're saying is we can keep doing what we've been doing for who knows how long. Right? So the fact that we can cancel, well, we can't really cancel it until the four days. Right. And, and when it's canceled, like we can't say, cause buyer didn't pay. Right. It just automatically cancels it after four days. But for example, today on the way to the, on the, yesterday, actually I sold an item, I accepted an offer. I sold an item. No one paid Earlier in the day, I relisted the item. I'm like, whatever, let's leave it open for somebody else. I re-mentioned this on the mini, so how our hostage, our, our items are being taken hostage because, you know, somebody is choosing not to pay and they just, they sit in the nether until somebody pays. So then on the way to the podcast today, uh, somebody else offered on that new listing and it sold, mm-hmm. right? So now I have the other person that didn't pay. So will eBay penalize me because... 
I, was, I chose to relist my item and somebody else paid more for it. Like yeah. they shouldn't. Like that's just not right. Yeah, I mean, but technically before relisting it, technically should you cancel the like Yeah, but then you have to then you're being if you cancel, I have to put buyer asked to cancel. Right. Which is not true. Now, part of this issue I feel like is getting a little bit better in the sense that and it doesn't help in every situation, but now when you receive offers when you see the like buyer has already like has information or the paid like information in there. So if you accept this offer, it'll be paid for. Like that's super helpful. Like that eliminates a lot of them because I'm much more likely to accept even a slightly lower offer if I see like, oh, they've already paid or or I know I'm going to get paid if I accept this offer versus the, I don't know, I could accept this offer and now it's being held hostage. Right. So um, that does eliminate some of it. Now it doesn't change the fact that you could still send out offers and you're not going to necessarily know whether or not they're going to pay, but at least it's moving slightly in the right direction. And I would, I would agree. Let, let us know in the comments. I'm pretty sure over 90% of you, when you accept an offer or you send an offer, you're willing to take a little less for an item because you want to move that item and that money is there. And so you're kind of like doing a favor and it's like getting smacked in the face when the person doesn't pay. Like it's, it's not, it's not okay. Now, the other thing they put in their update here to kind of like excuse this, they said, you know, the question is in their frequently asked questions, does this program mean I won't have any more unpaid items for offers? Mm. And I'm like, what? Like, is there a loophole coming in here? So then I read it and it says, this is the goal. So, th so they're not saying, no, they, they could have just said, yes, this means there will no longer be unpaid items. They just said, this is the goal. And then they said, we're trying to tackle unpaid items. So you should contact, contact Poshmark, contact Amazon, contact Best Buy, contact Walmart, contact Target, contact every single website that already does this and they will help you. Okay, just do it. Just do it. I'm a little passionate about this. Sorry. We're trying to tackle unpaid items wherever possible and prevent the challenges they bring. Hmm. You may expect fewer unpaid items from offers as we scale this program. However, however, they may continue to happen from time to time in some specific scenarios, such as offers with very high offer price, which you would think of anything, you would want the items that you are selling for good money to be paid right away. Right out of all of them. Now, maybe this is because eBay wants to collect their interest on, on that money. I, I don't know. Okay. Then they said, please note these changes do not apply to auction listings. Well, that's where it makes sense. Like, so to me, I feel like if it's a buy it now or you accept an offer, it should be instant payment. Um, like if I send an offer to somebody, they shouldn't be able to accept it. Like they should press accept and then now they put in their credit card information or same thing like receiving an offer. If they press, if they send an offer, it's like, you know, you're, you're committing to pay this. And I've, I've talked in the past about some of the downsides of that. If somebody sends out multiple offers and like why that might be beneficial for eBay, but not necessarily the seller, but like auctions I get, like if I'm, if I'm bidding on something like, yeah, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to pay for this. But if it's like a, a, a thing of like, okay, I'm bidding $10 on this item. And I have to make sure the credit card information is in there and I've committed to buy, oh, now it's gone up. So I'm going to bid and I've committed to buy, now I'm bidding on this. And like in each thing, you're like basically having to go through steps of like, I'm approving that I'm going to pay for this ahead of time. I can kind of see why they would say like, after you win the bid, then yeah, you have to pay. I, I kind of see that, but there should also be as soon as the auction's over, then it, like people need to be responsible. 
Right. I don't, I'm not, you know, you have, when you bid on eBay, you do your max bid. Mm -hmm. So it automatically takes care of it. Right. So if you're bidding on something and your top is a hundred dollars, it's not going to bid one oh one for you. It's going to bid that hundred dollars if, if it gets that high. And if it ends at like $75, then if you want to win, it's going to bid that 76. So I, I don't see it. I just don't see it. Like it's, it's, I mean, this is just, it's it's frustrating. I, I think leadership, if you want to have resellers on your side, I understand, you know, secondary good resellers only make up 20% of the eBay marketplace. I get that. But if you want to have us on your side, just come out and say it. Like, this is why. Yeah, I think that's, it's one of those things. Like, I agree. Like, I want it. So don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not playing devil's advocate <laughs> here because I think it'd be bad for us to get instant payment. I think it should be the case. I'm just trying to think like, there's got to be a reason. There has to be a reason behind the scenes. And I don't think it's just like, oh, we haven't figured out how to make this work. They have to have run the numbers and realize like if they don't roll this out slowly or if they implement something that like they're going to lose money as a company. But they're already losing money by all the unpaid items. I mean, maybe. And maybe they're losing money from new sellers that go on there and they're like, wow, I went on here and I got all these unpaid items and I'm not going to sell on eBay anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it makes sense. I think from our end, it makes sense. I just always look back to like time when I've been in management and same thing, like you've been an mm -hmm, admin. Mm -hmm. It's the same concept is there's times where the people underneath you, your subordinates like have this idea and they, like, everything makes sense in their mind. And they come to you like, why are we doing it this way? It should be this. And it's like, you have to explain to them, like, look, I can't explain why, but we have reasons and we're not, we're not stupid. Like we're doing this on purpose. And we, I get like, from your perspective, it seems like what we're doing is wrong. But what we're doing is right based off of the knowledge we have, which is more than you have. And I think that there has to be some of that. And again, not all of it's going to be like, because it, it would make sense that they would just come out and say it like, hey, like the reason we're not doing this is because X, Y, and Z. And then if we roll it out this way, it's actually going to help you more. But there has to be something on their end of of, of eBay is making more money by not fixing this <laughs> right away. Like, it has to be. because Something irrational. Or something we, yeah, you're right. It has to be something we don't know. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's irrational. I mean, even just saying, I'm sorry, it our, makes sense our software is from the 90s and it, there, there's just a lot of glitches and we can't do it. I'll accept that. I don't know. Okay. All right. Now I want to go one more and, and then we're going to get on the positive. So fees are going up. They're going up. Depending on category, you can look that up. Yes. I don't, don't want to be labor no ever. <laughs> so, all right. So this was good. So the negative feedback thing is changing that. And I know, I think before it was like, no one could leave you negative feedback until it's been three days. Mm. So it's not like somebody can automatically just go in, but now they're they're They put encouraged and I put encouraging quotes and notes uh, that the buyer is going to be encouraged to contact you before they leave you negative feedback, which I think they kind of do that already. I don't know, but does that just mean like a pop-up like before leaving this negative feedback, have you contacted the buyer and they could just put like, no. And then they continue to leave negative feedback. Like, it almost should be required. Like before leaving negative feedback, you must contact buyer and like make that a pre prerequisite. So I'll read what it says. It says, that's why starting late spring, we'll be rolling out a simplified way to help you avoid negative feedback. A buyer starts to leave negative feedback on the eBay app before they've contacted you on the eBay platform. We'll automatically encourage them to reach out to you and give you a chance to resolve the issue first. We're also making sure that buyers use a streamlined and friction-free way to contact you before they leave negative feedback on the eBay app to make it easy for them to reach out to you first. Yeah. That's still just as encouraging. Like how many times you ignore little pop-ups that happen on websites of like, do you want to do that? Would you like to fill out this survey? Would you? And you're just like, no, 
I'm not filling out the survey. I just want to pay and be done with whatever it is. Right. Like yeah, I, I feel like it's one of those things where they're going to say, would you like to contact the, 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 the seller prior to submitting this negative feedback to see if this can be resolved. And a ticked off customer is going to say no. And then just keep leaving the negative feedback. Like you can encourage it. You can be like, please take a moment to contact the, the seller prior to leaving. It's like the same thing of like when you're checking out at a, a whatever grocery store, you just bought some clothes at a H&M or wherever you're at. And then they're like, would you like to take a quick survey? No, no. Right. Like I want to pay my $8 for whatever this little thing is that I bought and I want to leave. I don't want to spend five minutes here on, while there's a line. Like, I yes, know. how, how likely are you to recommend our store uh, for, um, do you, th- I'm not doing that. Right. Like, so people are just going to press no. Like, so maybe it works a little bit, but I don't, the idea of like, I almost feel like that's just talk of like, we're going to encourage them to do this. To me, I just imagine I think, a pop I think there, there was a need for some positives in the winter update and they just like, kind of like, and you're saying threw stuff in there. Okay. Yeah. That just my, that's my, and here I am. Like I, I totally was like, yeah, instant payment. Like I understand. And then they're like encouraged. I'm like stomping all over this one. Like this is terrible. <laughs> they're liars. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am. Keep like, it real. Smashing their Keep good it real. news. And, and again, I, I I have love for eBay. I know many people that work in eBay. I'm not, you know, I'm just, yeah. All right. Uh, so this next one uh, I thought was interesting. Uh, they had mentioned that they're going more like pushing stores and that, you know, they're going to show the feedback right up front at a store when people go to buy. And then even said something about sales history. So I don't know if that just means how many items you sold or is there going to be other information? I'm not sure. So keep an eye for that. I like this one. This I had a question about this uh, a couple of podcasts ago. I had mentioned how in the old days, not old days, but before the new messaging, anytime you got a message in the old style, you could always send people an offer. But once you got the new messaging on your phone and it was like text-based, you couldn't send people offers. Mm. You would have to actually go to your desktop to send an offer. Well, now what they're rolling out is that you can actually send the offers via the messaging, the new messaging way, mm. which will be great. Don't know when that's going to happen. But when it does, I think that's going to be awesome. Because right now, I can't tell you how many times I get a message and I forget to go to my desktop and send them an offer. Right? So I may be losing on sales. So keep an eye out for that. And then uh, <laughs> I'm trying to keep it all good. So promoted listings now, standard, okay, the one that most of us use. Now the rate is not just going to apply to the item that's sold. It's also going to apply to the whole taxes and shipping. Oh, my gosh. Because, I mean, I understand the shipping part kind of because that was something people used to do on eBay, right? Of like, this item is 99 cents and it's $800 in shipping. You know, because then you kind of get away from like... I'm trying to stay positive, my friend. So I understand, okay, maybe you add the promoted to the shipping, but to taxes too? Oh, that's horrible. And then, okay, so then your payment is more. So then you're paying taxes. Oh, man. So let me let me find the exact wording because I, I don't, you know, I don't want to say something. I think that, said the rest of these are positive. I <clears throat> This one's not positive at all. No. This one's um, awful. Yeah, no. Uh, okay, so I'm just gonna uh, read it here. Uh, okay, if I can find it, but it, but it's it's in the it's in the winter update. There's just so much random, like there's stuff you know they're gonna allow for new new. Uh, yeah, there's oh, here they're, I, they're gonna require you to pay the promoted listing value percentage 
of the value of that item based off of oh here you go your store cost like you get 500 items per store well this one sold and so that's basically based off your subscription that's like an extra 20 cents for this listing so we're going to add the promoted listing yeah okay so let me read what they said on june 1st 2022 the promoting listing standard ad fee calculation will change to align more closely with how we calculate final value fees specifically the ad fee will be calculated in all markets based on the total amount of the sale for each attributed sale using the same basis we use to calculate final value fees, including applicable taxes, shipping, and other applicable fees described here. Currently in certain markets, including the US, the promoting listing standard ad rates applies only to the final price of the item. So yeah, that's what they're doing. They're just taking more fees. I mean, so basically this whole time we could have been manipulating because you couldn't manipulate it for other things, but like taxes and stuff like that and other fees but the promoted like we could have been running cheaper items with higher taxes or higher shipping and then our promoted values would have been less no 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 they, they oh yeah it's true you're right but up to this point that's how you so that's why i don't know if you remember but back in the old days right. of ebay people would sell something for like a dollar yeah. and shipping was like 80 dollars because yeah. they didn't take fees out of the shipping. yeah that was the point i made but like man so we missed the boat on this that we could have been selling and we're talking pennies, like realistically less than pennies if it comes to two point if you're if you're paying two point five percent promoted fees um and and that's what you paid, and you're talking your shipping is eight dollars and so now you're paying two percent so it's like small amounts like it's not huge amounts we're talking here, but it adds up it adds up so. it does add up, especially if you sell a lot, yeah. So, all right, this last one, I don't want to spend too much time on. There's an interesting article on Business Insiders, and it's titled, It's a Terrible Time to Be a Sneaker Reseller. Now, obviously, the media always wants to, you know, paint a picture that isn't true for everyone, right? So, for example, one of our good friends, Matt Klein, uh, who sells, you know, shoes, he's doing really well. The things are going well. So, as far as I know, I haven't talked to him probably in a month, but last I talked to him, things are well. Now... This was interesting because they were talking about in here about how sneaker resellers have had to expand what they're selling because there's been a sneaker bot crackdown. So it's been really hard for people to use bots. Uh, the whole collapse of Yeezy with Adidas also led to a lot of uh, resellers missing out. But then I, I thought this was interesting. They, they had interviewed somebody that owned a shoe store at the sneaker reseller in Encino. And basically they had talked about the idea of that they're needing to diversify because right now, for example, one, one statement is here. Uh, I saw an AJ one yellow toe. It's a Nike shoe that in three years we were $700 and it's still sitting on Nike.com. Meaning that inventory just isn't moving. Like, like you can't get the numbers that you're getting for shoes in comparison to a year or two years ago. Said Falcon said peak sales were during May 2020 when stores in California reopened after lockdowns. While a lack of inventory challenged the store at the time, customers spent stimulus and unemployment checks freely. Right. And we remember those days. Those were good times. But then the first quarter of 2022 is when the COVID bubble began to pop, adding that traffic to the store had declined by 20% since then. The drop-off has been starker on eBay site where Chris Burns, a sneaker analyst and the founder of ArchUSA, tracked Black Friday sales using the keyword sneakers. Burns found a decline of 31.6% on all athletic shoes, including Jordan, versus the prior year with the average selling price down by 16.2%. And so they go on to now that people need to, 
you know, diversify and said, as the number of customers willing to pay a high premium for sneakers continues to decline, it's forced companies to adjust their business models. StockX has expanded offering beyond shoes and apparel to including collectibles, electronics, and trading cards. Go Group, which sells both used and new sneakers and clothing, recently bought the pre the resale platform Grailed, bolstering its apparel and accessory offerings. So, and looking and so this is Falcon. This is a store in Encino. In Falcon's case, he and his business partner recently launched a shoe cleaning brand, QIQ IQ whatever it is, and Boba and Tings. <laughs> without an H, a streetwear theme bubble tea shop where customers can also buy collectibles. So why you're like, Orlando, why do you bring this up? Because I, I, I hear a lot right now in the recently community, like best way to, you know, move forward is to niche down, niche down, niche down, which I do think there's a lot of truth to that. But I believe in this kind of economy, if the market moves and you're too niche and your whole market shifts and you're a full-time reseller, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. It's like a feast or famine situation where you could be in a situation where if you're in the right niche, you're crushing you're it. You're, yeah. you're, you're destroying everybody in business. Or you could be in a position where, yeah, like you said, the market moves. You're too niched in a in a in a in a specific category that no longer is profitable the way it used to be, or something happens, and you're you're kind of screwed. So that's kind of the don't put all your eggs in one basket. And I think that's where it's beneficial to have a handful. Of, of, of niches, right? Like it doesn't need to be a lot. I think I, I honestly think in some ways what we do is good that we are just like a garage sale type store. Where we sell everything, but I think probably the best type of store is if you can have like four or five specific niches that you're mm -hmm. really good in. Like I know cosmetics and I have like 500 cosmetic items that are very valuable. And I also know RC cars and I also know He's speaking theoretically. Yeah, about and cosmetics. I also know shoes and I also know whatever it is, right? Like yeah. there's a handful of things like, you know, really well. And you've got a lot of those things as opposed to, I just sell like literally anything. Now there is benefits of having instead of all your eggs in one basket, you've got a thousand baskets, but your chances of, of success, you're almost like guaranteed to like stay pretty, pretty level, pretty mm -hmm. good. You're going to make profit. But like a handful of home runs here, but like if all of a sudden cosmetics become the the category where you're crushing it, or like you where you had the the razors here in 2020. Oh yeah. Right? The, yeah. the electric razors, oh, the head uh, shavers. Beautiful. Yeah. That it's like if you're in a category where you're constantly doing that and you got four or five of those, and so at any given time, one of those is just dominating, that that's where you want to be, as opposed to if you're all in, if all you ever sold were those, yeah, you're gonna go through seasons where you're not making profit or not the profit you used to make. Agreed. Agreed. So my, my encouragement is doesn't mean you have to d diversify, but at least begin to learn the niches, right? This is one of the things that always talk with me that Craigslist Hunter shared with us in our very first interview that we did. He had talked about if every year you can learn one new niche, right? It, it'll greatly benefit you. And I, I believe that to be true. And Mike and I have applied that and, and it's helped us out. So all right, that is our reseller topics. Yeah, reseller topics. This is one of our longer episodes. It is one of our longer episodes, but that's okay. And, and after our reseller topics, we talk about our favorite thing or one of our favorite things. What's your bolo? Yeah. All right. So everybody, and I'm sure you might even be mentioning it. it looks like maybe here. Um, everybody's thinking about Super Bowl right now. Everybody's thinking about football. Football is everybody's like, it's everything. And so, yeah, if you've got Eagles stuff, 
If you've got uh, if you've Kansas got cheese stuff, you're good to go. You're golden. Um, if you're like Orlando Nine, you were rooting for the Niners. Uh, you were you were licking your wounds for a few days. That ago. was just terrible. I've not seen a game that terrible in a long time. But see, I think like most people, even weren't Niners fans, just felt bad for them because like when you're on your not just your fifth string quarterback at a certain point, but when they're like, okay, we're bringing in their emergency quarterback. They're bringing in like. Hey, like, is there anybody in the stands who knows how to like play quarterback? Joe Montana, I think. I don't know if it was a meme. Not Joe Montana. Steve Young tweeted, like, I'm in the parking lot. Sue me up. <laughs> I'll, be, like I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> yeah. um, but so anyways, all that to be said. Don't forget, though, February 19th is Daytona 500. Now, mm. I talk about this every year. I feel like it was just yesterday when I was like, oh, Daytona 500 is happening. But I feel like I always miss, not miss, but like in the podcast, since I always bring it up after Daytona 500, like, oh, a couple weeks ago or last week was the Daytona 500. I've talked in the past about NASCAR um, radio receivers or scanners. Oh, yeah, that helped me out. I actually picked some up right after you mentioned that. Nice, nice. So I've talked about those in the past. And so I'm bringing it up again just because of timing. I think timing is right on this. It's one of those things like I was just looking them up on eBay and and scanners that are currently selling for like 40 or 50 bucks. And we're recording this a couple of days early, so and they might already be moving up. But scanners that are selling for 40 or 50 bucks right now, once it's NASCAR season, are going to be getting moved, selling closer to 100. Mm -hmm. And so same thing at garage sales. If you're finding them at garage sales now or even during the season, I mean, I've 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 purchased several NASCAR scanners during the season. People have got their stuff out and they've bought new ones, right? Like they're having a garage sale and they're like, yeah, you know, we used to use these when we'd go and we haven't been to a race in years. And so we're selling this or, oh yeah, we should just buy it. I've talked to people and that's the situation where they're like, yeah, we just bought these new scanners and they're really cool, blah, blah, blah. So we're selling our old ones and scanners are great. And if you don't know what they are, they're basically almost like handheld uh, walkie talkie, uh, like CB type radios. Mm -hmm. And they are used people use them with headphones and allows you to actually hear what the drivers and the spotters and the pit crew are talking during the race. So if you go to a race, it doesn't work unless you're in range, but you go to a race and you're sitting in the stands and you see all the people with the headphones on some of them, it's because it's really loud there, but a lot of them are listening to their driver talking to the spotter. And so they're hearing the like, all right, you know, four wide, four wide, like, okay, come down low. And so they're, they're, they're listening to what the driver is experiencing during the race and it adds to it. And so a lot of people who go to races, they don't have them. If you're a fan, but you're not a hardcore diehard, you go to every single race fan, which it's one of those things where the races, they tra it travels across the country. So you're maybe only going to one or two unless you travel with the races. So a lot of people are only going to maybe one or two races a year, Yeah, which means if you're like, hey, this is oh, my first true. race. That's why they offload them. That's right. So if you're, if you're like, this is my the one time I'm going to a race, I don't want to buy a brand new $300 scanner. I'm going to go on eBay and buy the $80 one. Right? And then you do it one time. Like, that was cool. I haven't been to a race in three years. I've got the scanner. I'm having a garage sale. Sure, I'll sell it for 10 bucks. Yeah, that's so what it, happened to me. I actually, I paid 10 bucks. Yeah. And it was somebody who had went one time. And they, they left it out there and I'm like, how much? And like, oh, my husband went and he didn't use it anymore. And mm -hmm. I paid 10 bucks and I sold, I think I sold for like 80 bucks. Yeah. So yeah, that, those, those are the kind of sales I'm talking about. Like you're probably not going to make several hundred on these. You might, if you find like a really good one, but a lot of times you're, you're able to pick them up for 10, five to 10 bucks at garage sales, maybe at thrift stores if you're lucky. And then, yeah, you're selling for between 80 to hundred, depending on what you have. So, but you know, that's just, I mean, my bolo is kind of the same deal here because I, a few weeks back, no, maybe, no, it's been months now, <laughs> like three months ago, I picked up a bunch of 49er, like Super Bowl stuff. Mm. And 
you know, I didn't know exactly what I was picking up. I remember if you caught us on Instagram, I showed up and they wanted two hundred dollars for it. And it was like a there was like Super Bowl jacket and they had like a box full of collectibles and there. I could see some ticket stubs and, and there was just like some cool all the Super Bowl paraphernalia. Is this the one from a while back? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I always say, look at everything when you pick up a haul. So there was this one little box that came in that huge hall and in it, there were all these pins. Right. And there were like Super Bowl pins. There was one for like the University of San Francisco. Uh, there was one for Stanford. There was like all these pins. Right. And I paid $80 okay, for the whole thing. Right. So within a week, I sold the jacket for about 70. I've sold about six or seven uh, ticket stubs for about 40 or $50 a piece. So I'm already weighing the profit. And then I noticed the pins in there. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to list these. I'm going to see what these do. And then I sold the lapel pin for $20, another Super Bowl pin for $20, another Super Bowl pin for $20. A couple sold for like nine bucks, whatever, one for five, another for 18. Sold a button I'd, for $10. I'd worry about refunds or returns on these. No, I don't get people, any of them. But I'm just saying, like, if people were buying them because they're like, oh, the Niners might make it to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, they didn't make it. That, yeah, that happens. I have a jacket that. that that's happened three times. Like last time they played the Chiefs, somebody bought the jacket for $110. And then they return it after the game. I mean, I was going to ask you if if the if the Niners made it to the Super Bowl, I'm sure I'd go to somebody's house and watch the game. Um, actually, I probably will be in the hospital uh, with my son being born because that's the I'm glad you finished that. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'll be in the hospital with my son being born, maybe if he makes it to his due date. Uh, however, um, I was going to say like, hey, do you have any like Niners gear that might fit me? I don't care. It's a hat, a jacket, a shirt, something. Because I know Orlando's probably got it. I think I'm all sold out now. Man, it also did last week. And it's what's sad is I want a certain startup parka that is the hoodie ones. The yeah. I, I call them the like the OGs from the 90s and has 49ers and old English in the back. That thing goes for like 300 bucks. Here's the thing, though. Here's what I was talking about with trading stuff up earlier yeah. in the podcast. If you took that. OK, so imagine you went to that person who sold all those like ticket stubs and pins mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. And they had that parka in your size for 80 bucks. You would have bought it and you would never sell it. Right. You probably own. now you bought all that stuff for 80 bucks. You've easily made more than 300 bucks. Oh, 100 percent. So you could have bought with some of that profit that park of jacket. That's true. That's true. And then true. still been making profit off of it. That's true. That's true. Now, I did last time Niners were in the Super Bowl about a month before I bought a, a starter, a pullover parka for 15 bucks. Zipper was broken. So I went to my tailor and I paid, I think, another like 15, 20 bucks. And, you know, I spent $40. I wore that thing for an entire year. If you haven't followed us on, on Instagram, you probably saw me wear it every once in a while. And then I sold it for like 150. Nice. Right. So, so yeah, I, I get it. I get it. So, so yeah. So keeping out, you know, it could be Super Bowl pins. It could be Disney pins. There's a huge collector's market for Disney pins. Uh, it could be college pins, right? I sold the USF one. There's USC one, Stanford one. You just never know. So you might, you might see these at a garage sale. You might see the thrift. You don't know when you're going to see them. Don't dismiss them because you may pay two bucks for like 30 of them. And maybe, you know, 20 of them are junk, but 10 of them sell for 20 bucks a piece. It's worth picking up. So sure. never know. I mean, I could have tossed those and it's like throwing $20 bills in the trash. Don't do that. Don't do that. You don't want to do that. Hey, but one thing you do want to do, if you need bubble wrap, you want to go to AmericanBubbleBoy.com. Actually, you want to use the link that we have for AmericanBubbleBoy.com. Yeah. Uh, and so it helps us out. Uh, and you can order that four foot roll of 700 and so square feet of bubble wrap for $39.99. Free two day shipping, next day shipping, 
You could do local pickup if it's nearby. There's also other items there to protect your packages when you're shipping them out. So check them out. American Bowl Boy, always good to us. You know, we know the owner, Joel. He's an awesome guy. So definitely check them out if you haven't checked them out yet and use our link below. All right. What are you looking forward to here? Um, I think I'm going to do... I'm probably going to wait until after my my son is born. Uh, but I think I'm going to do... Go to my my eBay shed. Um, I still haven't moved all of it out of there. Some of my older inventory is still there. And I I'm, I think I'm going to go through my listings. And there's about... Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I, I have about 30 listings or so that I haven't relisted. I haven't ended and sold similarly yet because I'm like questionable on them. I'm like, I want to kind of re-look at this. Maybe this isn't worth it. Mm. This is kind of a low value item. Um, I don't know if this would sell for very good money. And I think I'm just going to kind of collect those all into one big bin of all the stuff that I think was like maybe a bad buy. It's under $10. If I were to sell this, it's like 15 bucks by the time I pay all the fees and stuff on it. Like I'm going to profit like $8 on it. Is this really worth it? I'm just going to pile all that stuff into a couple of totes and then I'm going to take it, I think, to a swap meet and just sell it for what I can sell for and whatever it doesn't, whatever it doesn't sell, just take to a thrift store tax deductible, donate it. I'll get my little sheet and then that'll just be a business write off. Uh, and then hopefully make more because kind of that goal right now is to gain capital and, and lower my total amount of inventory space. It's not so much inventory like quantity that I'm worried about. It's inventory, like uh, how much square footage it's taking up. And so some of those items, like the bigger items that I think are just not, not worth the space that it's currently taking. Cause if I do end up with a big move in the summer, the less trailer space I take, basically the the more profitable the items are per square footage they're taking up in the trailer space, the more financially it makes sense yeah. to move the item. So uh, that's kind of where I'm looking at. I'm looking forward to another swap meet because I was really successful my last one. I, I didn't think I'd be as successful as I was. And I t- it turned out to be pretty profitable. I made several hundred dollars. And so hopefully if I could do the same thing, if I could take a bunch of junk items, even make 100, 200 bucks off of it. And then now I've got more inventory space, a little bit more capital, and less of a headache. It'll be a win. Agreed. Agreed. What about uh, you? What are you waiting for? Or looking forward? So to? I, I'm going to be working more in, in my reseller genie, just because you know I I want to make sure I want to I want to do my taxes and submit them like normal people in April. Yeah. Speaking of which, I think I'm still waiting on a uh, 1099. Oh no, I took care of that. Oh sweet, I took care of that. You're a good man. You're a good man. <laughs> I love how you bring it up in the podcast. in the podcast. We're not going to throw you out. No, I already took throw you under the bus here. No, no, I, I'm a responsible human being. Uh, also, um, more garage sales. I think there. I've noticed as January proceeded, and now we're in February, that more showed up. Right, so I'm hoping. Well, because March is like key. March, April for us is key garage sale season. I've, like I looked at. Uh, you know what I love about posting stories on Instagram? You can always go back to them. And then I can see, okay, this is when I had this huge score and this. And usually it's about March. April. What did my reseller genie think when you told them like my receipts are my Insta stories? <laughs> you know what? They were very cool, calm and professional. Like I even, I did bring that up. I brought that up. I mean, that would be really effective for the IRS. Like, oh yeah, you want to see my receipts? Here's 10,000 hours of video footage. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah. I'm serious though. <laughs> like I keep them. And then uh, uh, I'm also, I'm, I'm taking a trip. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm going to see some friends and family, um, maybe, uh, another opportunity. Uh, and so looking forward to that. I, I do love, uh, sourcing, uh, when I travel just cause a lot of the times I'm able to just pay off my, all my business expenses. And so I'm looking forward uh, to that time. So I'll come back and I'll share how that goes. And so, 
yeah, good times ahead. Uh, I, I, you know, sales keep happening and, and for everybody, you know, keep listening, doing that sell similar, get my reseller genie. Use our link below or in our promo code Pure Hustle, just Pure Hustle, all in caps. And uh, with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Late. Peace.